This is a CCRI radio podcast. New content every week from students at the Community College of Rhode Island. Listen, watch, read, and get involved at ccri.edu slash studentmedia. Thank you for tuning in today, ladies and gentlemen. Today is Thursday, March 23rd, 2023. I'm Josh Loisel, and this is the show Hold That Out. We are coming to you, as always, from the Bobby Hackett Theater on the night campus of CCRI. Be sure to check out this show and other podcasts and content from the students of CCRI by visiting www.ccri.edu backslash radio backslash podcasts. Be sure to also listen to episodes on other platforms by going on Google Podcasts and Radio Public. I hope everyone is doing well. Some warm weather is starting to slowly roll our way. I'm presuming most of you, like myself, have a totally broken bracket. I had the Kansas Jayhawks repeating, um, as you may have guessed. My bracket is completely toast. Princeton is in the Sweet 16. Florida Atlantic once again is making noise. Tom Izzo has Michigan State as a sleeper. I'm not sure too many people saw that coming. That's why I love this. It's not like NCAA football where you have your Alabamas and your Georgias and your LSUs dominating and being essentially the carp of the pond for those of you that understand the reference. They're just invasive and killing off the rest of the sport. While NCAA basketball embraces the competitive landscape of the sport, parity and the Cinderella stories are what makes this time of year so polarizing for hoop fans. It's always the small tier the underdog, nobody heard of them, right? You heard stories of like Damian Lillard coming from like Weber State. You had Lehigh uh, a couple years ago, you know, Mercer, uh, Chicago, Loyola. Like you've had some beautiful stories in the past, which is one of the things that makes this time of year, like I said, for not even just pro basketball fans, just pa- basketball fans in general. Topics for today include Providence College coach Ed Cooley leaving to go to Georgetown. Was that the right move? And what does the future for Providence College look like? Also, thoughts on the Patriots free agency. And also, Minnesota Timberwolves star Carl Anthony Towns. What is going on and should Timberwolves fans be concerned? So let's start with Ed Cooley. Now, for a good portion of my life, Providence College was an average to below average at best in terms of men's basketball. The old Big East Conference was really, really, really strong. At least in my lifetime, you had guys like Jim Beheim at Syracuse, Jim Calhoun at UConn, you had Rick Pitino at Louisville, you had Bob Huggins at West Virginia. You had multiple programs who had multiple good coaches that recruited multiple guys that ended up having some guys in part drafted to the pros. Uh, They won titles. They made deep tournament runs. There was an argument once upon a time that the old Big East was just as strong, if not stronger, than the ACC. However, Providence didn't at the time have a coach that could recruit the talent that could compete and run with those kinds of programs. Uh, Tim Welsh was good, not great. And then Keno Davis, he was more hyped than anything else. Then Ed Cooley came along, and Ed didn't look back for one second. 2014, 
Providence College won the Big East Championship in terms of the tournament. Um, they made the NCAA tournament seven of the 12 years. Ed Cooley was there. They made a Sweet 16 appearance in the 2022 season. And they were also the regular season Big East champions that same season. Um, Ed Cooley had also won over 60% of his games while being the coach of the program. Make no mistake about it. Providence College is what it is today because of the foundational work that was implemented by the Ed Cooley regime. They recruit better. They play better defense. They play hard. They play with a purpose. They have an identity. Now, from people that I've talked to in the past that know Cooley well enough, I was always under the impression that Ed would never leave PC unless a once-in-a-lifetime job from somewhere like the NBA had presented itself. Uh, Cooley didn't just love the Friars. He loves the city of Providence, period. Being from the city, going to Central High School, growing up a lifelong Friars fan, being able to coach his favorite team was a lifelong dream for Ed. I don't know any of the details of the deal Cooley just signed with Georgetown. I don't. I'm not sure why Ed left. There are no clear-cut details, not that I've seen at least. Maybe Georgetown just threw him a fortune. Maybe it had something to do with, you know, the, the new NIL deals, and Ed saw something ahead of the curve that we haven't yet. You know, not to throw a tinfoil hat on or anything, but what if PC isn't as aggressive in the transfer portal as Ed would personally prefer? Maybe that's what Ed Cooley is looking for. Better talent being able to jump into the well of what we have in terms of the transfer portal nowadays. Again, I'm not confirming anything. I'm just simply speculating. Because just for him to up and go so suddenly, not too long after you made a statement saying that you were the coach of the Friars, then very, very shortly after you then sign a contract with the Friars' longtime Big East foe in Georgetown, ouch. Ouch. Listen, if reports come out that he's one of the 10 highest paid coaches in Division I men's hoops and he gets a more aggressive athletic director and a more aggressive athletic department that is willing to dive into the transfer portal and get some real quality talent, I get it. I'm serious. I get it. And if you're Providence College, you're kicking yourself in the ass big time. Big time. The NIL is ridiculous. Why would that matter? Why would that matter? Why would that matter? Hmm. Okay. Let me ask you this. How did PC look in terms of recruiting before Ed Cooley got there? Compared to while he was there? Don't overthink the room. Recruiting is everything in college sports. You don't think so? Go ask Michigan football what it was like to go from Brady Hoke to Jim Harbaugh. Huge leap. Go ask Florida football what it's been like to try to compete post-Urban Meyer. When you're going through a coaching carousel with Nick Saban in your conference. Not much success. How's Louisville basketball looking ever since Rick Pitino left? Hmm. Okay. Oh, you know what else is funny? Wisconsin hasn't looked the same since Bo Ryan left. If I were PC, 
I would try to reach out to Billy Donovan. If the Chicago Bulls decide to move on from him, I would try to make a move. I can't imagine Donovan leaving the NBA to go to Division I unless it was due to the fact that he was let go. But it is interesting. We saw what PC was pre-Ed Cooley. Not so great. We saw what PC was with Ed Cooley. Pretty damn good. Now he's gone. Do not hire an X's and O's guy. Hire a guy that can get buy-in from younger players. Ed Cooley could relate and get guys to buy into what he wanted them to do. That's what will be the biggest challenge to replace for the athletic department at Providence College. X's and O's, you can hire someone off the street to do that. Recruit. Recruit. They struggled with it before. I hope I'm wrong. But that is the one thing that I am the most worried about with this program moving forward with Ed Cooley leaving. I wish him nothing but the best. Really, I wish Ed Cooley nothing but the best. He's going to a program that's a little bit more well-known. I would imagine that their AD and their athletic department, they're going to dive into their booster money and they're going to try to pull some five-star kids. Ed's going to be fine. Ed Cooley himself is not what I'm worried about. Providence College? Eh. Yeah. They might want to start making some phone calls. Because if everybody just thinks that you can just pick this up and roll with it right where he left off, that's a little bit easier said than done. Okay. So now I would like to touch base on the New England Patriots. So, for a while now, I've been critical on the way this team has operated over the course of the post-Tom Brady era. Uh, A series of weird drafts, weird free agent deals, a monotone offense, overpaying average players, mostly on defense. So, the last few weeks have been interesting. Uh, Signed James Robinson, a running back, Juju Smith-Schuster, a wide receiver, Mike Gusecki, a tight end, and Riley Reef, an offensive lineman. Not bad signings. Uh, a lot of them makes mainly, a, well, not all of them are on the offense. I apologize. Uh, so that definitely makes sense that they've been pouring their money into the offense. So I'm watching the Patriots make these moves. And while I believe the offense already looks somewhat better than what it did last year, I still think that this team lacks a true vertical threat as a number one receiver. Now, Tyquan Thornton could have a breakout year. He was starting to trend upwards towards the back end of last season, which is good. If they decide to go out and get DeAndre Hopkins or Odell Beckham Jr., I think that those, either of those moves would make a lot of sense. I would really love if they were to draft the kid Mario Addison out of USC. Uh, personally, I think he is an instant plug-and-play kind of guy. He runs excellent routes, solid hands, speed, nice vertical. Uh, He had the ball thrown to him by Kenny Pickett and Caleb Williams, so he's played with pro-level quarterbacks. It's not like he's playing with a bunch of Division I hacks. No disrespect. But with all of that said, I am curious to see how Mac Jones does this year. He will have real stability 
with the coaching staff on offense, with Bill O'Brien coming back as the offensive coordinator. But also, this is a big year for Mac Jones. He's facing a lot of criticism going into year three. And he's not too far away from talks about potentially a new deal once his rookie deal is over. This is basically the whole reason why I never bought into that Bailey Zappi nonsense. Considering you drafted Mac Jones in the top half of the first round in 2021, you need to squeeze every ounce of juice from this orange to make sure you have the right guy and that you made the right pick. That involves getting snaps, getting reps, as many plays with as many throws as you possibly can. This is one of the issues that the San Francisco 49ers have with Trey Lance. They traded away two first-round picks and used a third overall to grab this kid, and he's not even playing. Like, okay, yeah, there may be mechanics with his throwing, but none of that is going to get fixed unless you give this kid the confidence that he needs to step on the field. Even if Brock Purdy was 100% healthy to play at the beginning of the year, I would still go with Trey Lance. Because again, given everything that you've given up, given where you took him, you need to make sure that he's the right guy. Okay, yeah, he may not pop in practice, but it took Jordan Love a while to pop. He didn't really look all that great against the Chiefs in 2021. I don't know, did you see him last year against the Eagles? Pretty significant difference. But going back to Mac Jones, I feel that, like I had said, he needs all the snaps and the reps. So this way here, when the time comes, there's no walking on eggshells about this decision. There's no lingering thought on what Mac might unlock. It should be the four years are up. We have four years of tape. Here's the best of what we've seen. Here's the worst of what we've seen. Yes or no, the end. Period. This way here, if the Patriots decide to reset the clock and draft a new quarterback, there's no holding themselves hostage. In a division that seems to be getting better year after year after year. I do, however, like so far what they have been doing in free agency. I personally would have tried to grab Darren Waller from Las Vegas, considering the New York Giants only gave up a third-round pick to grab him. But they have been addressing needs on the offense. Considering that they are about to have two top-ten quarterbacks in their division, they should keep building. The defense is not what I'm too concerned with. Yes, they could use another pass rusher opposite side of Matt Judon, but I don't personally believe that the defense has the same pressing issues that the offense does. The offense of the Patriots will be very telling of what this team is this year. Because there is a part of me that wants to say that they can be a wild card team this year in the AFC. I highly doubt that they can win their own division, the AFC East. They would have to have a lot of things fall their way for that to be a possibility. However, I can see Pittsburgh, Denver, and New England all being wildcard teams this year. Not sure where each of them would rank in terms of seeding, but those feel to me as of right now, those feel like playoff teams. 
But still, that said, they need to become faster, which has been my knock on the Patriots receivers for I can't tell you how long. Also, I'm not saying Bill Belichick is on the hot seat per se. However, what I am saying, though, is we're now going into year four post-Tom Brady. New England doesn't have a playoff win. Three seasons, they've missed the playoffs twice. That one season, they made the playoffs. They got routed on the road by Buffalo. Bill O'Brien is back. Better weapons. Defense is basically going to be the same, and they ranked pretty high statistically last year. This feels like a playoff team. It should be. Because I feel now it's time Belichick started getting some heat. He wants all the money. He wants all the power. Well, with that comes the accountability. Someone needs to start holding him accountable for the direction that this team is going in. Because in theory, if this team misses the playoffs again for the third time in four years, there will be people calling for him to leave. I don't believe we're there yet. I don't want to get too ahead of myself. But that absolutely is on the table if, the, if things start to tilt sideways and get out of control. Mind you, we're not even sure what's going to happen with Tua yet in Miami. And Belichick has never beaten Miami when Tua's playing. So with that said, Josh Allen, you got Aaron Rodgers coming to town. And now you got Tua, who you've never beaten when he's on the field. I'm just saying... I'm just saying that Don Shula record shouldn't just be the only thing that Belichick is eyeing. That shouldn't just be the only thing. Because I don't want to jump into hostile area and I don't want to be crazy town. But if you mean to tell me if this thing looks exactly the same again and every other team in our division keeps getting better, innovative coaching, better drafts, better free agents and Bill is kind of stuck in 2002 I think it's time a conversation's at so last for today I would like to touch on Minnesota Timberwolves star Carl Anthony Towns so we all know how talented he is he was a former number one overall pick in 2015 Uh, The best high school player, arguably the best college player, and he has had a very, very productive NBA career. However, the thought really started to linger in my head the other day. Maybe Cat isn't a one. Maybe he's just a really, really talented number two. Because reports that I was starting to speculate on, I was talking to somebody off air about this, that... Reports were coming out that his injury was worse than what was originally reported from this year. It makes sense. Now, why would Minnesota be hiding this? His contract. Because now it just looks ridiculous. He has two years left on his current contract in which he is over 25% of his team's total cap. His new deal which kicks in in the 24-2025 campaign. On the span of that deal, his lowest cap hit percentage will be 35%. He'll be making over $50 million per year. 
I can guarantee you one thing right now. The Minnesota Timberwolves will never win a title with Carl Anthony Towns while he's making that much money. I don't care how down the West is. Anthony Edwards, he's going to need to get paid. You also got Rudy Gobert's deal. They also need some more depth off the bench. I get he's basically the biggest star in that area outside of Justin Jefferson and Anthony Edwards. But there's a difference between being the highest paid in the league and you being the highest paid on your team. Highest in the league is for guys that have won titles and MVPs. Guys like LeBron, Steph Curry, Giannis. Not guys like Cat, who, don't get me wrong, I like a lot, but not enough to where I'm going to weigh down my franchise with a massive cap hit, leaving me no flexibility. Not to mention, they gave up quite a bit of assets in order to get Rudy Gobert from Utah. So it's not like they can even necessarily turn around and start drafting kids and hope that they can manipulate the cap by drafting kids out of college in which they're paying them on rookie deals for a, sp- for a short chunk of time while they're giving Cat this big money. But now that's no longer the case. You're thin on the bench. You're paying outrageous money to guys that are good, not great. And now you don't have draft capital in which you can alleviate that. So it is interesting. It's a small market. They do not attract free agents. You're overpaying, I would say, a B-plus player. You're giving him A-plus money. You don't have draft capital to help you alleviate and manipulate the cap situation. And your roster as of right now, it's good. But that's really about it. Good. And like I had just mentioned, you're paying a B-plus player A-plus money. It's kind of similar to the situation that the Dallas Cowboys have with Dak Prescott. I like Dak a lot. Do I think Dak is an A-plus? No. I think he's a B-plus. But he's getting paid like an A-plus quarterback. That's what's happening right now. Cat, he's a B-plus player. I'm not saying you can't take him and put him on a championship contending team and he wouldn't contribute. That's not what I'm saying. But the fact that you're turning around and paying him an A-plus max number one contract when at best I see a B-plus number two option in a small market, no draft capital, I think Minnesota might have a little bit of an issue here. Because it's not like you can get out of that Rudy Gobert deal anytime soon. And you're not even going to get a fraction of what you gave up for it. You'd be lucky. You're not going to move Anthony Edwards. You just moved D'Angelo Russell back to the Lakers. If things don't start to lighten up in the next few years, maybe Cat might have to restructure his deal. If not, you might have to move on. Not even close to getting there yet. But I'm looking at this. His contract's not too, too bad right now. But once he starts making over $50 million, and he is over 35% of the Timberwolves' total cap, he is sucking up a third of their cap space. 
There's no way they are a championship contending team. No way. Luka Doncic would have to completely regress. The Lakers are bad, but they're not awful. Right? You still got the Suns. You still got the Warriors. You still got the Nuggets. I don't know. If I was a Timberwolves fan, I'd be a little concerned. Because there's not really too many moves and there's not many too many directions that you can go right now. Unless Cat can come off this injury next year and he can start getting MVP votes and he can really start pulling this franchise and start doing what true number ones getting paid max money do, okay, then I retract what I said. But if we keep seeing this constant repetitive motion with Carl Anthony Towns, he's extremely talented, but we've seen a lot of extremely talented guys in the league. Andrew Wiggins was extremely talented in Minnesota. Came to find out, ah, he really wasn't a number one. Goes to the Golden State Warriors. He becomes a three, maybe a four. Fit in like a glove. Maybe that's the same situation with Carl Anthony Towns. Maybe he can fit into a team. Maybe a team like the New York Knicks or the Atlanta Hawks. Right? Maybe possibly the Boston Celtics. Those could be better fits where it's not all on him. Where he could also contribute in large part, but you're also not putting him in a position and asking him to do something that's, I wouldn't say unreasonable, but it's something that he can't do. So it's going to be interesting. The Minnesota front office is definitely going to have their hands full. And Carl Anthony Towns is going to have a lot to prove coming off of next year. Coming off of this year, rather, excuse me. He's going to have a lot to prove. It's not like he was a lottery pick. He was the number one overall pick. That's Hakeem Olajuwon. That's LeBron James. That's Anthony Davis. Right? Like, that's that level of a pedestal. So, I don't know. We shall see. This is a CCRI radio podcast. New content every week from students at the Community College of Rhode Island. Listen, watch, read, and get involved at ccri.edu slash studentmedia.